there, this is Erica, and you're listening to Mommy Needs to Eat Too, empowering bad bitches from all walks of life. Now, at the top of the show, I just want to let you know that I have a Patreon page if you're interested in some exclusive content, maybe some bonus episodes from time to time. And you will also be able to ask me a question every six months. Anything you want to know, just ask. And once I start having guests on the show, you will be also be able to ask any question of one of my guests every six months. I also want to let you know that anytime I mention a product or service, it is not sponsored. I am not receiving any sort of benefit or payment for mentioning it. I only bring it up because it's something that I like. Now, without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Folks, I hope you all have had a happy holiday season. Hope you all got to spend some time with uh, your good friends and family. And, uh, well, this week we're going to talk about New Year's because we're quickly approaching the New Year, right? I mean, 2020 was (laughs) was one hell of a year, so I feel like this year was a bit better for most of us. (laughs) However, for this week, I want to take you back, way back. On the cusp of the new millennium. (laughs) Y2K, motherfuckers. (laughs) So, for those of you who are too young, um, basically, Y2K was this whole big ordeal. Um, It was when we were changing from 1999 to the year 2000. um, And everyone was convinced that all of the computers would just go fucking haywire and the stock market would crash and just basically that the world would collapse and induce some sort of apocalypse. Like, I'm not kidding. Not kidding at all. Not even exaggerating. (laughs) Um, Fun fact, it was known as Y2K, the Y2K problem, Millennium Bug, the Y2K Bug, Y2K glitch, Y2K error, Y2K millennium bug, you know, all these, all these different things. Um, I mean, we had people pulling money out of banks, just all kinds of things. And so for those of you who don't know, I was raised in a Protestant, a Protestant household. Um, we were actually raised Pentecostal, um, again, more on that at a later date. <clears throat> But basically, we were being taught that <laughs> it would the clock would t- hit midnight on the year two thousand, and you know all, everybody was expecting the power to go out, everything would just collapse essentially. And in a lot of uh, Christian circles, we were being taught that this is the second coming of Jesus. This is the rapture, which is bullshit because. The Bible specifically says no one will know the date or time when Jesus comes back. Now, I'm not saying that I believe Jesus is coming back. I'm just stating what the Bible says. <laughs> I think we all know at this point that there are a lot of things that I was taught as a child that I no longer believe, I no longer adhere to, I no longer subscribe to. That is not this podcast episode. I simply want to give you a little glimpse back into the transition from 1999 to the year 2000. So as many of my fellow 
Protestant Christians were doing, we had a lock-in at our church, and um, the idea was that you know you'd you'd stay there all night, and we would all celebrate, you know, the the turning of the year, and as we were all anticipating possibly the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to, I'm going to laugh a lot throughout this because this whole, it's just, it's so funny to look back on and think about these different things. So here we are in our little bitty Pentecostal church, singing worship songs and praying and just essentially having a church service. I, I'm sure there was some food and some beverages and, you know, we did have some downtime, I'm sure as well, to play some games for the kids and stuff. But Whenever 1999 was turning over to 2000, definitely um, we were worshiping and singing and praying and that sort of thing. I'm sure there was a sermon as well. I can't remember all the details. So pause. Pause on that. (laughs) We're going to go back even further. So basically from a young age, I was told that the second coming of Jesus, a.k.a. the rapture, would happen any day. And I honestly lived in constant fear that I would miss the rapture. I don't know if any of you remember those books and movies, um, the Left Behind series. I think Kirk Cameron starred in the Left Behind movies. (laughs) Those ideas and thoughts absolutely fucking terrified me. And I specifically remember when I was... I was young enough to be in children's church, which is for like, oh gosh, I would say ages like 10 and under, maybe even not that old. Um, But I remember, I specifically remember our children's church teacher one day said, if you sin and you don't ask Jesus to forgive you and Jesus comes back before you have a chance to ask for forgiveness, you are going to hell. Now, For someone who is predisposed to depression and some obsessive compulsive behaviors, that is one hell of a fucking mind fuck. (laughs) Like, my fucking God. Like, telling this little seven-year-old kid, like, uh, guess what? If you sin and then the next instant Jesus comes back, you're going to hell. Like, how fucked up is that? And again, this this episode is not going, I don't want to delve into you know, my upbringing and the <laughs> the religion that I was raised in and all that. That's definitely for another episode. And in fact, I'll probably bring my brother Brandon back on for his um, take because he has, he definitely has a very um, unique view in that he had a lot of chronic um, medical issues. And the way that we were raised, we were told that God would heal you and that sort of thing. Anyhow, I digress. So. As I said, I, I'm very I'm prone to some obsessive compulsive uh, behaviors and thoughts. And so I can remember for the longest time, I mean, even up into adulthood, I would obsess about the rapture and missing it. And I would compulsively ask for forgiveness. Had I done anything wrong? Maybe, maybe not. But for fuck's sake, I was going to make sure I was covered. And, you know, I think that honestly has led to a lot of my, like, FOMO, (laughs) for lack of a better term, fear of missing out. 
because I have always lived with this idea. I was raised with this idea that at any moment, Jesus could come back and then your, your, mortal, your mortal life here on earth is over. And so even, I mean, even to this day, that definitely has affected my, my psyche. <laughs> Not that I still believe in all that, like I said, but there's just this ever looming cloud that, that at any moment it's all going to be over. And, you know, to be truthful, that, that is true, but not in the way that I was thinking. I honestly didn't believe that I would ever make it into adulthood. Um, I didn't think that I would even, you know, I didn't think I would make it to get married. I didn't, I never thought that I would have kids because I, I'd been taught for so long that the rapture was happening soon that we're in the end days, you know? And I mean, I can even remember, remember times as a child and even into my teenage years, I would wake up and no one else would be up. And I would think, oh no, the raptures happened. I've been left behind. Like, I'm not fucking kidding you guys. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. I could probably go into that and get some, should probably get some therapy, but that's for another day. <laughs> so let's circle back to uh, Y2K. I specifically remember one preacher had come to our church and said, you know, Jesus rose on the third day and he's going to come back on the third day. Well, what's the third day? The first millennium, the second millennium, the third millennium, year 2000. And to my little child brain, that fucking made sense. And I can see, you know, I, I see the the uh the correlation there however bullshit so anyway we're all poised at, as the clock is counting down and just honestly the whole world at this point was waiting for, for essentially the world to shut down we were expecting i was expecting the power to go out banks would go down everything would just fucking collapse and then we would all be raptured is what i had truly believed and then the clock ticks and spoiler alert Nothing fucking happened. <laughs> so fun fact, the initial kind of scare around the change from 1999 to the year 2000 essentially revolved around the fact that back in the 1900s, we were only using two, digit, uh, two, di two digits for the year. So whenever everything switched over to zero, zero, would everything revert back to 1900? I mean, it was just a whole big ordeal. That's that's the very, very, very basic basis of the Y2K scare. And in fact, um, prior to, you know, December 31st, 1999, there were some serious um, concerns about September 9th of 1999. But Truly, there. I mean, I don't remember anything crazy happening. I'm sure, you know, there were some glitches and errors overall, but nothing like what we were expecting. Nothing that was catastrophic or apocalyptic by any means. According to Wikipedia, <laughs> these minor issues were <laughs> reported on January 1st of 2000. In Australia, bus ticket validation machines in two states failed to operate. Oh, darn. In Japan, radiation monitoring equipment failed at midnight. However, officials stated there was no risk to the public. Okay. Also in Japan, 
An alarm sounded at a nuclear power plant at two minutes after midnight. Okay. God, also in Japan. At two minutes past midnight, the telecommunications carrier Osaka Media Port found errors in the date management part of the company's network. The problem was fixed by 2.43 and no services were disrupted. In France, the National Weather Forecasting Service said a Y2K bug made the date on a webpage show a map with Saturday's forecast as 0101-19,100. Again, nothing, nothing fucking catastrophic. And then similarly... In the United States, the U.S. Naval Observatory, which runs the master clock that keeps the country's official time, gave the date on its website as 1 January 19,100. And in the U.S., 150 Delaware lottery slot machines stopped working. Oh, no. Again, again, nothing catastrophic, but disruptive. So. Uh, spoiler alert, the, the rapture still hasn't happened also, by the way. But just wanted to give you guys a little <laughs> a little reminder of, of back in the day. And uh, so this leads us into this week's hashtag treat yourself segment. All right. We all know this weekend is New Year's. So go out and motherfucking treat yourself. I mean, seriously, let your hair down. Have some drinks if that's your thing. Smoke some weed if that's your thing. However, please fucking do so carefully. Do not be, don't be negligent. Don't be stupid. Don't drink and drive. Don't drive high. But let your hair down. If you don't have any tiny humans to look out for, then fucking have some fun, right? I mean, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, getting intoxicated or getting high. Go dancing, go out karaokeing, or fuck, stay home and dance, stay home and karaoke. If you want to Netflix and chill, if that's your idea of a fun fucking night, which I'm, I'm right there with you, pal, then do that. Just make sure that you have some fun this New Year's. And finally, I want you to take some time and reflect back on 2021. Not, again, not quite the same as 2020. You know, we still are in a pandemic, but not to the extent that we were in 2020. It's not as disastrous as it once was. However, still happening. Um, And as I think back on this year and reflect, my son was born (laughs) in January. And I've been kind of thinking about how he came into this world and it was in a rush so as like a little bonus story segment i kind of want to talk about um his birth story so we found out natural obviously we found out that i was pregnant during the pandemic um we were just a few months in at that point and still not really sure about how things were going to go so yeah i have a pandemic baby I have a COVID baby. Oh, no, 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 not COVID baby. Let's strike that. Steven, take that out. <laughs> if, uh, if any of you listen to My Favorite Murder, you'll know that reference. Um. <laughs> but anyway, uh, his due date was February 6th, I believe. 
So yeah, he came about two and a half weeks early, um, which I, we all kind of knew. I especially knew that he was coming earlier than February. I honestly thought he would come before January 20th, in all honesty. Um, I had some uh, early contractions and that sort of thing. I, had, I went to the hospital once to make sure I wasn't in preterm labor. Just a lot of Braxton Hicks and then a lot of like legitimate contractions um, very early on with this guy. Um, and I, you know, I really think it has to do with the fact that, you know, I had a two-year-old to chase around and <laughs> run around with. So I didn't get to rest as much naturally. So anyway, cut to January 20th. It's four o'clock in the morning. And the day before, uh, I had been doing some stretches and some yoga to uh, that would supposedly help with bringing on labor because I was miserable at this point. Com- I had been miserable for a few months, but I was just fucking miserable at this point. I mean, he was sitting very low. Like I said, I've been having, you know, mild contractions off and on, off and on for a while. And then, of course, the natural aches and pains that just come along with being pregnant. (laughs) So it's four o'clock in the morning. I was, I woke up to feeling some cramps, just some mild cramping, a little bit of contractions. And again, this is something that I had gotten used to, so I didn't think much of it. So about 15, 20 minutes later, I wake up and I can feel that my water is in the process of breaking or has just broken. So I get up and I go to the bathroom very quickly and I realize that, yes, my water has broken, but it is all blood. There is no clear fluid whatsoever. It is all blood. So that immediately sends me into a bit of a panic. And I'm thinking, okay, when is the last time I felt him move? Because I wasn't feeling him move then because little did I know I was in active labor and, you know, babies don't really move around when they're, when you're in active labor, but I couldn't remember it. had. I mean, cause I would wake up throughout the night feeling him move around or, you know, just if you've been pregnant, you know what I mean? You, you, you feel your kid move around a lot. So I immediately started panicking and I, I, truly thought that I had lost him. I really, really did. So that was terrifying because this whole time I had honestly been in shock that I was pregnant to begin with. And it almost, it seemed like he, it's hard to explain. I just still couldn't believe that he was going to be here. So if I had lost him, almost made, not made sense, but I just, I couldn't, I don't know, I was just so in shock about having been pregnant to begin with. So immediately that's where my mind went, is that I had lost him and I was freaking out. So I go to the bathroom and I get, um, I had some, uh, thankfully I had some Depends there with me. So I go and get you know, kind of to the point where I'm not bleeding all over the place. Um, my husband had been sleeping on the couch for some reason that night, not because I made him. <laughs> I just, just some random thing. I don't know. And um, I woke him up 
out of a dead sleep and I was like, hey, dude, we have to go to the hospital right now. And he was like, what, what, what? I said, uh, we need to go to the fucking hospital now. So that kind of snapped him out of it. And so we're running around and I'm like, I'm getting, well, let me call the hospital, let them know that we're coming, talk to the midwife that was on call, let her know that I was bleeding. And she said, you know, you should be fine. Just make sure you get in here, but you're probably going to have this baby soon today. So my husband gets up and looks around and he sees the blood that, you know, has been coming out of me. And he's like, oh, that's not bad. It's really not bad. He said, because he used to work as a phlebotomist. And um, he was like, you know, I've seen a test tube of blood that's been dropped and it looks like a crime scene. So he's like, it's really not a lot of blood. I think, you know, it's okay. Take your time. I'll call my mom. And so that made me feel immensely better about the whole situation. I was like, okay, I got myself back in control. (laughs) I said, okay, I'm going to take a shower because, you know, I had blood all over me. And, um, While I was in the shower, I realized I was having some contractions. Nothing too intense yet. Nothing I couldn't just breathe through. So a little bit of backstory here. Um, I had planned on doing completely unmedicated birth with my son. So I had been doing a lot of breathing exercises and techniques and meditation and that sort of thing to kind of prepare myself for, for that. So I'm doing my breathing exercises in the shower, just trying to get into that, that mind space because I knew things were going to start hurting pretty badly before too much longer. Um, so I got out of the shower and about that time our daughter had uh, awakened and I was like, hey, mommy's having the baby today. And so I don't know that she fully understood. I doubt it. She was not even two at that point. <laughs> and I guess probably about 530, uh, my mother-in-law arrived and I was just kind of packing things up and, you know, not necessarily taking my time, but I wasn't in any hurry. And she was like, what are you doing? Why are you sit down? (laughs) I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like the contractions are not bad yet. Honestly, it helps me to keep moving. It's good to keep moving. You know, going back to all the things my doula had taught me. Oh, I had called my doula as well at that point. So we get into the truck and (laughs) my husband bless his heart, had set up like a little space for me in the back to have some pillows to kneel on and to hunch over and have got me my coffee. And, um, you know, the hospital was, you know, 20, 30 minutes away at maybe not that far. So we get on the road and I don't know if any of you have ridden in the backseat of a truck before, but it is so fucking bumpy. My God, is it bumpy. And if you are in full on labor. Like, it's so fucking awful. So I pull out my phone. And I'm, you know, I'm trying so hard to stay in that mind space. And I'm asking my husband to call everybody and let everybody know. <laughs> so I get out my phone to use my app to start timing my contractions. And I start, you know, do, timing them like, oh, fuck. We are full minute two minutes apart. My husband is going to freak the fuck out if I tell him. So I did not <laughs> tell him at that point that we, <laughs> I was legitimately concerned that we weren't going to make it to the hospital in time. <laughs> I 
but thankfully we did. Um, you know, we had called ahead, let them know we were coming. And like I was like in full on active labor at this point. Things were painful. Um, the bumpy ride sure as shit didn't help. <laughs> but we uh we arrived a little after six o'clock in the morning and you know, I'm slowly getting out of the truck and trying, you know, my husband's helping me out and <laughs> All of a sudden, this this nurse runs out and was with the wheelchair and was like, hey, somebody came in and said somebody's having a baby out here. I guess it's you. And I was like, uh, yep. And she was like, would you like, you know, the wheelchair? And I was like, yes, please. Thank you. So they got me in. <laughs> they got me in and started triaging me. And I let them know that I had been seeing the midwives. And so by a pure act of serendipity, the midwife that I had met um, once briefly that I just fell in love with was the midwife on call. So she was going to be the one to help deliver our son. So anyhow, we get in and, um, I hadn't even had my group B strep test yet. Um, and if you don't know what that is, you can, it's, it's basically, um, a bacteria that is common in, you know, most people. Uh, and if, and if you have like an active infection whenever you give birth, it's very likely that you'll pass it on to the infant. And then um, that in turn causes, can cause some very serious, serious medical issues and even death, I believe. Um, and this test, they stick a Q-tip up your asshole. So let me just tell you, you don't fucking forget whenever you get that group B, <laughs> that group B strep test. It is not pleasant. Even in labor, even in active labor, I was like, Bleh. But anyhow, <laughs> so they, they start examining me and the midwife um, looks at the, the pad that I had on and all the blood that, you know, I had. And she was like, oh, honey, we're not going to be able to deliver you in the birthing rooms down here. You're going to have to go up to um, the, the more hospital setting and you're going to have to deliver up there. And the midwife said, look, I, I can I'm still going to deliver your baby. We just have to do it in a more um, controlled environment. We need to get an IV in you and, you know, do all these various things. I'm like, that's fine. Whatever. You know, I get it. This is kind of an emergency situation. <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time quite as much as I do now. <laughs> but so we walked down to, I, I don't remember how, why we were walking down to the midwifery center, but we did. Maybe that was before I got triaged with the midwife. Anyhow, I legitimately thought that I was going to pass out on that short walk. Um, and again, part of labor, right? <laughs> and when you feel everything, like you fucking feel it all. So anyhow, we they got me on a wheelchair, got me upstairs, and got me into a room. And my husband will tell you there were a fuck ton of people in there. And to, you know, I didn't notice it. <laughs> I mean, I really didn't. I was just, I think I had my eyes shut a good chunk of the time. And I was just, again, trying to stay in that meditative state and work on my breathing. However, when things happen that, when things escalate that quickly, it's damn near impossible to stay <laughs> in that birthing zone. It was, I don't think I really did, to be honest. I mean, I did as best as I could. So I get, you know, I get up on the bed because I just, I am feeling very weak, very, very lightheaded, very dizzy. 
So I, I can up on all fours and um, they have the head of the bed semi elevated and they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get your IV in. And so this poor girl, apparently this, she was a trainee. I didn't realize this at the time, but she kept trying to stick me in the forearm and my vein kept rolling and she could not, <laughs> could not fucking hit it. Meanwhile, I'm having full on fucking contractions. I'm getting ready to hit transition. Which, if you don't know, that's like the most fucking difficult part of labor. It's where a lot of women vomit. Um, a lot of women say, you know, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I mean, fun fact, you have to fucking do it, right? But <laughs> anyhow, I was approaching the most difficult part, which is transition. And <laughs> they finally decide to switch to the other arm and let the gal who um, is the trainer stick me. And by the time, apparently they had just gotten everything set up and were just getting ready to stick me. And I turn over the other side and just vomit all over the place and knock all of their fucking utensils everywhere. <laughs> and again, I had no idea that I did that. I just, I just remember vomiting violently, which I vomited with my first kid. I think it's, it's relatively common. I think I heard the other day that like 80% of women vomit during transition. Anyhow, that's a discussion for another time so you know i get kind of semi cleaned up and um the gal finally gets my iv in and gets some i I think fluids going into me i'm sure and about this time i start fucking begging for an epidural and if you know me you know that's not me (laughs) I, i was full on crying and begging for a fucking epidural and the midwife and all the nurses were like honey you're doing so well it's happening so quickly really you don't have time for it you don't you know because they all knew that I deep down I didn't want the epidural so that thankfully the midwife and the nurses and my doula and my husband were all just so fucking supportive and wonderful and so not long after that the midwife says okay how about you flip over on your side we're gonna you know well she I forget she popped my um, the remaining bit of my water bag because apparently my water hadn't completely broken. So after that is when things really, really kicked up. <laughs> and so she said, flip on your side. We're going to take some pressure off of you. And I think you're going to be able to start pushing here shortly. So and she was right. I mean, God bless that woman. <laughs> God bless her. And so, you know, we started pushing. And so with my first, I had ended up getting an epidural at like nine, nine and a half centimeters. Again, a story for another time. But (laughs) anyway, suffice it to say, I didn't feel anything when I pushed with her. And I will be damned if I didn't think this kid was splitting my fucking urethra wide open. (laughs) Like, I thought I was ripping from seam to seam. (laughs) Like, it was awful. But at the same time, I know a lot of a lot of women had said it's such a relief to push. And it, it's true. It really was. But at the same time, my God, <laughs> so painful. And on, as it turned out, I actually didn't really have any tearing, which was good. I didn't have any didn't need any stitches, just had some abrasions and that sort of thing. But anyhow. So recap. Um, cramping started at about four o'clock a.m. 4.15, 4.20 is when my water broke. Um, a little after 6, we arrived at the hospital. And then at 6.43, our son was fucking born. 
and it was wonderful. It was amazing. He's, oh my God, he's such a good little dude. I'm so thankful for him. And so, yeah, evidently my placenta had ruptured and my, that's why my body got him out so quickly and we are both safe and healthy as can be. So, you know, the midwife later on was like, hey, it's, it's like your body knew that if you didn't get your baby out soon, one of you would likely suffer some sort of medical issue. Possibly, you know, I mean, in a very severe circumstance, even die. Um, but thankfully, we got there in time, and I was none the wiser that it was as serious as it was. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be one-year-old in less than a month, so... All right, folks, that's it for this week. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll, we'll chat again next week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Mommy Needs to Eat Too. Now, if you can do me one big favor, I would so appreciate it if you would go on Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, and leave me a rating and a review. That is going to help other people find me and spread the message that your needs, your dreams, your desires, your wants all still fucking matter. And while you're at it, if you are interested in some extra content, check out the Instagram page, Mommy Needs to Eat Too. That's Mommy Needs, the number two, E-A-T-T-O-O. All right, folks. Thanks so much. We'll check in again next week. Love you all. Bye-bye.